Welcome to the Be Ruthless Show, where we have the conversations that other people don't, the conversations that other people won't. I'm your host, Sam Ruth, and I'm ready to make a lot of noise and disrupt things ruthlessly. Thanks for being here today. Now let's get to it. Welcome back to the Be Ruthless Show. I'm your host, Sam Ruth, and joining me today is the most special guest ever, Ryan James, thank you so much for sharing your time and your story with us. I'm going to let you introduce yourself because I will get emotional before we even get going. (laughs) Stop. I'll get emotional too. So um, my name is Ryan. I'm 35 as of um, a couple days ago, and I am from originally from Detroit, um, but I live in Fort Lauderdale now, and Samantha was my therapist when I was... Um, a teenager and helped me through some of the darkest, most trying times of my life. Um, so I wouldn't be here today. I don't think if I had not had you as part of my life back then. So I'm just really grateful and excited to be part of your show now. You always say that and you did the work. You (laughs) are so special to me. I love that we're still in touch and that I get to be a part of your life and see how far you've come, how much you've grown. Like you are a different person. Yes. I am. <laughs> so from the scared little boy that you met when I was a teenager, God, it couldn't be any more different today. So you, I love that you said in a post something like, "You taught me how to march to the beat of my own drum." Yeah, you did. I mean, and that's that's my motto for life, basically. I mean, like I pretty much like I put on my my Facebook thing, like the the thing that you write on your profile. Uh, summary basically it just says um the most liberating feeling that you can have is not giving a fuck about what other people say about you and so like it is so such an such a burden off of me to just really not care what people say about me or think about me because everybody has an opinion and i don't care anymore like i used to care so much when i was younger about what other people thought of me and what people like if they liked my hair if they liked my if my outfit was cool enough if they my jeans had enough holes in them and like you know and um or if they were the right holes in them and so like it was just like so stupid now in retrospect i looked at it and i'm just like you know what i'm gonna wear what i want do what i want do whatever i want all the time and just be unapologetic about it and that's kind of the way i've been living my life for the last like couple years so you really did care about all of those things you went to a imp- like a snooty high school the snooty Livonia, right pretty much <laughs> so and, and you were student council, government, you were a peer counselor, you were on track to be a, be a psychologist, do, yeah. <laughs> do the straight and narrow. I wanted to be you. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was so like, in the, the idea of helping other people, I guess it really boils down to, I'm still helping other people in some way, but it's like the idea of helping other people um, or influencing other people's lives was really interesting to me. Like it was really like, I wanted to be somebody that like made a difference in some way and so like um granted that that difference is now different <laughs> no, but like um it's uh it's still i'm making a difference in people's lives so I'm, I'm happy about that and even if it's just by being honest then that's that's cool you were being who you thought people wanted you to be yes very much so and i was not i was lying about who i was because i was like trying so hard to fit this like mold of like what my high school peers, like what I thought was cool 
which is what I saw on MTV. And like, you know, it's like whatever I saw on the real world is what I thought my life should be like. And so like I was trying to be like these people that I saw on TV and I never understood like why I wasn't being accepted by my the kids in my school and why they just used me for party place to party and they used me for, you know, whatever. And so like, but I really think maybe now it's like fundamentally just that I wasn't being myself and they could probably smell it on me that I was just like trying to be somebody different. And then ironically, just like coming out of the closet when I turned 18 and then kicking the doors off was kind of like the, the magic trick. Cause um, then I really kind of came into myself. Um, it took me a long time to find myself, but it was like, really coming out and not having to carry that burden around anymore was really um really uh um what's the word i'm looking for uh it relieved a lot of weight off my shoulders basically when we are not being ourselves when we're hiding anything you know i don't know if they could tell but we're not comfortable in our own skin walking around with a secret isn't fun no. And I had so many secrets. <laughs> I had so many secrets. I was like just one giant ball of secrets and I was trying so hard to be straight and I was trying to be cool. And I wasn't really cool because I was just kind of like, I was me. I was like, I read comic books at lunch and I worked for the school and I was like, you know, I just, cause I just liked my own things and I, and, and people didn't understand me. And that what I've come to learn now. Do you remember the, it gets better movement? Mm-mm. It Gets Better was like kind of popular um, around like 2007, 2008. It was basically about like, it was like adults telling kids that like, don't worry, it gets better. <laughs> and so like, it was like everybody made it get better videos. And so like, if I could tell myself, my younger self um, now, I would just be like, listen, dude, like it gets better. <laughs> like it get, your life gets way cooler and these people don't matter. And it's like, you know, it's like, they are going to live their own lives and you're going to live your own life and it's fine. Just get through these couple of years. And so um, I'm really glad that I did get through those years because they were very hard. <laughs> so they were very, very hard. So um, yeah. And then, but things got harder, even harder when I got older, you know, just different kinds of harder. Like they were just like emotional and like I had a really traumatic breakup um, that like really threw me a couple years ago. That was like, that was like, we've talked a lot about grief and loss. And like, that was like my big trauma event, like having like my whole life ripped out from, I I had, you know, not, not anything compared to what you've been through, but like, you know, I had my whole life ripped out from under me. And so like it threw my entire life into a tailspin for years. And I'm only just now kind of on the other end of it. So, yeah. And it isn't a comparison. Pain is pain and loss is loss. And it was traumatic for you. It was completely traumatic. And you, like many people, like there's shame around certain losses. And you didn't have the same type of support that I had. Yeah. I was so embarrassed by what happened to me because I just felt so stupid. Like for context, basically, like I was um, in a long-term relationship with somebody that I met at the gym and that um, I had started doing, I'm in the adult, adult film industry and I've been a pretty recognizable staple in the industry for a long time. And um, I met somebody uh, in 2018 or 2000, 2018. Cause yeah, 2018 that I thought was the love of my life. And like, and he fit so seamlessly into my life and wanted to be a part of my life. And we built this brand together, um, the two of us. And um, 
I thought my life was literally a fairy tale. I was pinching myself constantly. I was like, oh my God, I have everything I want. I have money. I have a nice car. I have a beautiful fiance. I have who is in the same industry as I am, who loves me the way that I am, who's sexually compatible with me, who's emotionally, I thought emotionally compatible with me. And then I found out that it was all literally all of it a lie. All of it was just to get, just to get a name, just to get followers. It was all superficial. It was all fake. And then as soon as he got what he wanted, after we were engaged, um, he left me and scrubbed me from existence as if I never happened. And it was like, I gave him this whole new life on a silver platter that he could never have gotten without me. And then I was just, I wasn't even a footnote. <laughs> I wasn't even a, a a footnote he revised history to make it sound like he did everything alone and that he was scouted and that and i was just like what the hell and so timing wise it was right before covid um happened and so i had relapsed on crystal meth which has always been my struggle for most of my adult life and um i had just kind of checked out mentally and was like you know what fuck it like you know here's this pandemic i didn't understand what it was and i thought that i could just use for a little while and escape my problems for a little while and nobody would bother me because everybody was busy with their own pandemic issues but then the pandemic didn't end like I anticipated it would just go away and it just kept going and I kept using and nobody was there to stop me because I was alone everybody potted off with each other and I was just alone in the house that my fiance and I picked out together and the that he furnished and that I paid for that I was just stuck in this house living in a shell of what was and I was just dying <laughs> inside and so um I tortured myself for years over that and even when I finally got over him I then had this meth problem that I couldn't get rid of alone um that like even though I had moved on and accepted the fact that I wasn't the problem but now I had a bigger problem on my hands um and so um, I'm just finally on the tail. Uh, I have three months sober in a few days. So I'm just on the tail end of all that, not drama. <laughs> so you were, we've stayed in touch. We've always been in touch, but we reconnected more because you put a post out three months ago, just yeah. under three months ago, that you had been pretending to be sober yes. for all of this time. Yes. But now I want to let the world know that I haven't been. And I was so proud of you. Immediately reached out yeah. and we started talking because, but that's not easy to do. I was, it isn't easy, but telling the world on social media with your, like your fame, right? Yeah. Like my audience doesn't know your fame, but yeah. your, like you are big in your industry. You told the world. Yeah. And then, um, and I knew I had to, because I, I live a life free of accountability. Like I work for myself. I make enough money that I don't need to ask for anything from anyone. And so I don't have anyone and I'm really good at lying <laughs> to protect my using. I am really good at it. If there's, I'm a terrible liar, but except for when it comes to protecting my using, then I will literally it always seems like the pieces fall right into place the way that I need them to, to make my lies work. Like it will be like something will happen. Like some, something will pass by me. And I'll be like, I'll use that. And then I'll be like, I will use that to create the story and this 
you know, make people feel sorry for me or make people feel, you know, whatever, just to protect the fact that I wanted to keep getting high. And then, and then it just got so repetitive and so cyclical and I just got so tired of it. And I was like, you know what, like I live this life free of accountability, but I need to give myself some accountability and let people know that, yeah, Hey, guess what? My life looks perfect on the internet, but it is not, it is not. And so, um, and then I find, and I had been so afraid um, because my ex threatened me with videos of me using drugs on the internet. And I'd been so afraid to talk openly about him and what the, the damage that he did to me, because I was so afraid of what he would do in retaliation. And now I just don't care because <laughs> I, I just don't care anymore. And so like, you know, he had weaponized a couple of things against me that I was just, you know, how, how could this person that loves me ever weaponize this against me? And so I just decided that, you know what, I'm just going to come clean with the entire world about what I'm doing, what I've been doing for the last four years and take all the skeletons out of the closet and just be like, listen, like, this is my truth. This is what I've been going through. This is, I don't blame him for anything. I blame myself for getting myself wrapped up into the mess again, but it's like, I didn't know how to deal with what was going on with me. <laughs> I was so traumatized by it and so like deeply affected by it and just gutted. And so like, I didn't know what to do. And then the pandemic. And so it was like, it was just a perfect storm for me to just kind of become this hermit crab that like, and, and I had so much space around me and I was surrounded by yes people, like people that were just using me for drugs or, you know, using me for clout or whatever. And they were just willing to say and do whatever I wanted. And so it just made it really easy to look, you know, like I had my shit together because yeah, I could, I could take my friends to shows or I could take my, take my friend on a trip around the world or I could do this or that or whatever. And so um, I had a lot of people surrounded, surrounding me that were just like, yes, yes, everything's fine. You're fine. It's not that bad. Everything's fine. And in reality, I was shooting up meth every day for four years. So it's not okay. <laughs> so um, my life was not okay. I including, was including therapists, right? Didn't you say? Oh, yeah. I mean, like I had therapists that I went to my, my regular therapist here that I, I mean, I went, I to save face, I went to an, an IOP still using every day and just was like, I don't know why the drug tests keep coming back positive. And like, they bought it. They, they like, they like were like, okay with me. And I was just like, and I just, I don't know. I mean, like I, but then I finally hit a point where I was like, I looked at my life and I was like, you have a serious, I had a gratitude problem, like a real gratitude problem because I had, I'm surrounded by things that I love and I'm surrounded by like people that love me. And I have, I hate using the word fans because it makes me vomit, <laughs> but like I have fans and people that love me and look up to me and I'm taking them all for granted because I'm just like living this lie and just hurting myself every day. And so I was like, um, all of this could be gone in an instant and I could die. I had a friend of mine that overdosed on fentanyl and, um, uh, and that was really changing for me because I was like, fuck, like, I don't want any of my family or my friends to feel this pain that I'm feeling right now. And I knew that like, if I kept on the trajectory that I was on, that I was going to do that to everybody. So I fluttered to the bottom, fluttered to my rock bottom. <laughs> I landed like a princess and like, and was like, um, I think now is the time for me to go to treatment. And I checked myself into rehab. Yeah. <laughs> and going to meetings, you like you knew that you were going to end up 
right? Like it's not an if, it's a when. You, yeah, you, and I knew that. And and I knew that there were so many, I mean, like this is something that I have been hesitant to talk about, but it's something that I think is important. Like I was not just using drugs, I was selling drugs too. And so like my life was very chaotic and I was also contributing negatively to, and that's something that I got to wrestle with one day. How do I make amends for all the damage that I did to other people's lives um, by selling drugs to them? And so like um, I was just, the the pressure cooker that i was living in was just like boiling over at any given time and i was just losing my mind and like trying so hard to keep everything together i had a thousand balls in the air and just nothing was um nothing was nothing was landing right everything was wrong and so um it was really not a good space and i just felt this looming sense of death over me like like i was covered in wound like i mean like you can see my skin sort of i mean like i'm like covered in ab you know scars and shit from um all the damage i did to my skin and um and i just had all constant infections going on and so like and i'm trying i mean i'm in a profession where i have to have my clothes off for work so it's like i had no high no hiding it and so um i just didn't film i didn't work for six months and that was when my using was the worst and um yeah it just took i took a lot of my you know the one thing i don't like about um like the one thing i disagree with in the recovery program is that they they say you need to cut off all ties with people that were using when you get sober and like i think that's true for a lot of people but like i couldn't have gotten clean without the people that were in my life that were still using that were helping me to get sober like the people that I was surrounded with that saw how desperate my situation was and were actually my friends and were like, yeah, we're problematic too, but like you're really problematic and we need to like do something to help you. And so like my best friend um, who got me into rehab is still a daily meth user. And so like, you know, he helped me get into rehab and facilitated all of it for me. And like, you know, um, I wouldn't, have gone if it wasn't for him <laughs> so like i i think that a lot of those people are are really valuable uh they're still valued as humans they're still people and so they're still good people and so you meet good people along the way i'm just my circumstances might be a little different but like you know without them i wouldn't be here today so i'm just really grateful for everybody that came together to help me lift me up and get me together letting go of certain people is is necessary for some oh yeah i like, have a lot of people yeah you, know, you 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 brought in a ton of positive supports yeah so having them while you have an entirely new support network yeah for you is okay some yeah. people don't have that positive support so sure. having the negative influence Imbalance. And that's why I prefaced it. I was like, in my situation, you know, my circumstances might be a little bit different. It's just that like, you know, I, I was really lucky that some of these people that I encountered are actually underlying under the problems actually are my friends. And so like they, they rallied behind me to when I said I needed to get help, they wanted me to go way earlier than I actually went. And they were like, can we get you in today, please? And I'm like, but I still have so much to get rid of and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I don't trust you, you know, but it's blah, blah, blah. It's just a story to stay out longer, but it's like, you know, long story short, I ended up in treatment and I was really, really grateful at the end that I went when I did. And, and I've been really lucky in that I don't really have like the cravings that I have had in the past because I feel like this time I really, I'm sure they'll come one day, but like at least this time I, 
I actively chose to stop. I was like, you know what? I've done enough drugs to last me a lifetime, <laughs> a lifetime. So if I don't have to see any chemicals, substance again in my life, I'm really okay with that. And it's a pill that I'm comfortable swallowing because my life is so amazing right now. <laughs> you're also so doing, you're also doing something different. What's for the record? You're, you're not just oh. getting clean now. You're, you're sharing your story. Yeah. So for the record, it was a project that I, so there's a blogger and a podcaster named Jasmine Taz that I'm really tight with that lives in Berlin that um, I've become close with because I sponsor their radio show. Um, it's called Such Fun. And I sponsor the show every year and Jazz and I just became friendly and um, they did an interview with me a couple seasons ago and I talked a little bit about chem, chem usage, but not seriously. Um, and then I said, you know, he, I had, I was supposed to see him in Berlin and then I got too high and I couldn't see him. And so um, I apologized and I was like, listen, I'm really struggling. And he's like, do you want to do like a series of tapes with me? And like, just like put it like a message in a bottle. And like one day if, if we decide to do something with it, cool. If we don't, then it's for your own therapy sessions. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's record something. And so when I was still in active addiction, I started recording this series with jazz and the first episode I filmed about two weeks before I went to rehab. And then, so I was very high, <laughs> like very, um, not, it's been really challenging for me to go back and edit it because seeing most people don't have to see themselves. Um, they don't have to look through this lens that I'm choosing to look through, but it's like, um, I wanted to be honest with people because my entire platform has always been about being authentic and being real. And like, like, for example, like most, when people think of porn, they think of like an unattainable standard. That's like fantasy. They're selling fantasy. Like I worked for a couple of really big name producers and stuff. And as a, as a camera, as camera crew and stuff, I learned a lot and they sell fantasy, but my, my concept has always been to sell reality. I'm like, sometimes things, don't go the way as planned and sometimes you say something stupid during sex and you're embarrassed about it but you laugh about it and so it's like i keep all of that stuff in my videos like my videos are very very real they're very like fly on the wall like you don't my dumb stupid bro talk comes out and it's just sort of dorky and weird and like and and that's kind of kind of my charm is that it's always been very rooted in reality and who i am and so like if I was going to stay true to that brand, then I wanted to kind of give people an idea about what I've been going through the last couple of years. Cause I chose to be silent about my breakup with Julian and I'm not silent anymore about it because, um, it was killing me to be so quiet about it. And so, um, but also think that at the time it was necessary. Like, I don't think I wanted to be that angry ex on the internet that was like rampaging. So, um, yeah, so for the record, came out of that. And then after we filmed, we filmed one before I went to treatment when I was actively using, another episode when I got out of rehab, and then another one um, when I was in sobriety. And so it sort of just formulated itself. It sort of just became like this, like, it was supposed to just be kind of like therapy sessions for me. But then it became like, oh, wow, there's a structure to this. There's like a before, middle, or before, you know, current and after there's like a, there's a trajectory, there's a, a linear path here that I can actually create something out of. And so um, I decided to share it openly with everyone and I'm going to release it for free 
um, because I think it's important. I'm not trying to monetize my story. Like I, I think that there are some things that are sacred. And so I think that this in particular can actually really help people to hear what I've gone through. And so I'm not trying to ask for money for it. I'm just going to put it out there into the world and be like, this is what my story is. This is what I've gone through. And so um, that's going to be really important to me. And so I'm, I'm still, I just put out the PR for it the other day. Um, I edited the sobriety episode first, which was so easy to edit. And I was just like, oh, look, at, I look so good. And I'm like, I got my shit together and like everything's working and I'm clever and I'm with it. And then I went back and, and then I went back and I edited the first part and I was like, oh, shit, like this is hard to watch. It's hard to edit. And I'm just like, because I'm sitting there and I'm just like, my eyes are the size of the sun and I'm just like, I'm so skinny and there's such a drastic difference in my body in between episodes one and three that's just like, you can see the effects of drug use. You can see the effects of sobriety. You can see what it, what a sober person looks like after getting sober. Um, because it's like the light in my skin and my eyes comes back in episode two because it's dead in episode one. But then by episode three, I'm healthy again and I'm myself again. And so there's a calmness to me that I think that wasn't there in the first two episodes. Because even by episode two, I'm still a little antsy. And so um, I'm just really excited to show people that because there's this, this stigma, uh, not a stigma, there's an assumption about social media influencers that we all live like this like fun, fantastic, perfect lives. <laughs> and like, I've always called myself like the anti-porn star. It's like, I'm not like everyone else. I don't hang out with other people from the industry very often. And it's like, cause I just don't feel like I fit in with them. And so like I do my march to the beat of my own drum. But like, I, um, yeah, there's this this misconception that we all live these perfect ideal lives. And I know so many industry people that don't, but nobody talks about it. And so like, I wanted to talk about it and be like, listen, yeah, if, if I can come back from the depths of my addiction that I was suffering with, shooting up meth every day, multiple times a day, in my neck, <laughs> like, you know, if I can come back from that, anybody can get sober. <laughs> If I can come back from having eight pounds of crystal meth in front of me and being like, you know, and now, now today feeling like I can have anybody come to my house that I want, anybody can come over. And then it's, I don't got to feel ashamed about nothing. And so it's like, it is so freeing to feel that way now. It's really, really, really great. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking too much. <laughs> so like, I'm just thinking, so there's so much stigma, shame, you put out, I have to censor your stuff, right? Yeah. Because I don't want to, like, write like your mom. I don't want to see some of it. But you put out something about haters. And you got a bunch of hate comments. Oh, yeah. So I... And yes. you watched it. But so to people who are using and who are afraid of... So we don't care about the haters. You and I do not care. Yeah. There are still things that hurt, but we don't care we got we got here there was a point in time it we did care and it yeah. did make us cry and we were a mess so what do you say to the people who are not getting clean because of that i'm not going to go to rehab because people are going to say um it doesn't i what i would say to that and it's 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 what i say isn't going to make i maybe will make a difference but like but like um it doesn't matter you're doing it for you. Like you're not doing it for them. It's like my life today, if I, 
if I thought like, oh, what if people say bad things about me for, and we were in, 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 in a fucking golden age of mental health, I feel like to a degree. I mean, like we are in an era where it's okay to talk about being trans. It's okay to talk about sexual assault. It's okay to talk about, you know, trauma. It's like, I mean, trauma is probably like the, like the last kind of like the one that's like, please pay attention to me. <laughs> like It's like all the other ones are getting their airtime, but it's like, you know, um, loss, grief, trauma, that type of thing. I mean, like it's, it's, it's okay. It's like, I'm not, I didn't get sober for anybody else this time, but myself. And I didn't care what anybody said about me. And I walk these, I, I shoot content and I walk through Fort Lauderdale with my arms out. And I would have, if you would have told me a couple months ago that I would ever wear a tank top again in my life, I would have told you you were crazy because I had so many track marks on my body that I was just so embarrassed, embarrassed and ashamed of. And now I just don't care. <laughs> like, so like, I would just say that like, if somebody's on the fence about going, getting treatment or going to get help, then it's like, you know, you're not doing it for your, you got to save your own ass. Like it does. Nobody else is going to save you. Like, and, cause why, why not? Why would they, but like, you know, cause that's kind of diminishes a person's value, but it's like, it, the you'll feel better about it if you save yourself <laughs> like if you really dig down and, and like i'm gonna do this for me and like this is this is the most fun i've had in sobriety this is the most like free i've felt in a long time and like i'm just really grateful that i was able to have the strength to do it this time by myself because i don't know if i've got another one in me <laughs> so like so i'm just really grateful now that i did it now and that like i um feel like i have my whole life ahead of me and I don't care what we're talking about, if it's anxiety or mental illness, if it's addiction, if it's whatever you're ashamed of and you're keeping in and hiding, the minute you do start sharing it with whoever, with your best friend, with the world, that is when you become free. Like yeah. that is when it no longer has control over you and life becomes your own. And it's kind of ironic that you say that because like I just recently started talking about childhood sexual abuse that happened to me recently. Like I just only started talking about it with my best friend maybe a year ago. And I told him what happened to me when I was a kid. And then I told my grandmother and I told my sisters and I told, and the last person I told was my mother. Um, but it's like, you know, that carried, I carried that around for a really long time. <laughs> like, and like, I just, was carrying this weight around that I was embarrassed about. Not, I wasn't embarrassed about it. Cause I, I just, I didn't want to speak to my father at all because I, and you know, because of what happened when I was younger, I just don't want anything to do with him. And that's, that's my choice. And so, but, but people were like, well, why won't you give your father another chance? I'm like, well, I don't want to tell you why I don't want to give him another chance. So like, I finally started being honest about it and, and telling people like, this is my trauma. This is, this happened to me when I was a kid. And you know, this is why I don't want to talk to him. And, and this is why I don't want to hear about what he's doing and stuff like that. So like, you know, um, I don't know where I was going with this tangent other than the fact that I just revealed something else about myself to the world. So like, it's like, so I'm going to tell one person, I might as well tell everybody. So that it's, um, that it's it no longer controls you doesn't control me anymore and it's like you know what and i took the power back it's like now i don't have to explain why i don't want to talk to him i just don't want to talk to him and so that's fine for me and so he can live his life i'll live mine and i i exist happily i need nothing from anyone so like you know um it's just a good place to be in to let go of shit 
you know, and the other thing is too, is that I didn't realize until I did this, until I did for the record with, with jazz, he actually brought out something in me that like, I didn't realize I did have shame about my drug use. Like I've always sort of thought that I was like, yeah, I was open about it to people that knew and I would talk about it candidly as like, yeah, I am an addict. I'm addicted to meth and blah, 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 blah. But like, I just thought that I was shameless about it. But like, in reality, like I actually do have some shame about it because like, I didn't want to be like tainted in this way, but like, uh, it's just part of, it's been my, my struggle with crystal meth has been going on for um 17 years now. <laughs> so it's like, it's a, half my life that I've been battling this. And so like, and I finally feel like now, like I'm at a point where I can just be like, yeah, like it's there. And it serves a purpose for people that need it or want it. And I don't need it anymore. And I don't want it anymore. And so I can leave it <laughs> finally for the first time in my life. I feel like I can actually be in the same, you know, not that I, you know, again, my story is different. I just, you know, I have been in the same room as people that are using crystal meth since I've gotten sober. And I just am like, that's, that's fine. <laughs> like you do you. I don't need to be, I don't need to do it. I don't need to, I don't need to see it, but it's like, you know, I'm, I was unfazed and unbothered by it because I feel like I've really gotten to that point where I'm putting it behind me. Like, I really just like, it's there. I know it's there. I know it exists. I know it's going to be a problem for gay men forever. And so like, it's kind of inescapable. And so, um, it's so permeating the community and, and so many of the people that bought drugs from me are people that were actively vocally against crystal meth. And so like, but then they're secretly buying meth from me. And so like, you know, it was, uh, it was a lesson, uh, in, in, I saw, I saw a lot of different sides of it. And so I'm just grateful to be on the other side of it now. <laughs> so I think that's a big, I mean, I've said I'm grateful a lot in this conversation, but it's like, I really feel like that's a big difference. I do a gratitude list every night before I go to bed now. And that's really, really changed like my outlook on life. Like, cause I realized at the end of the day, I have so much to be grateful for. There's so many cool things that happen to me every day. So, and I think that's, it can be the same said for everybody. It's like, if you really sit down and think like all the good things that happened to you that day, instead of dwelling so much on the bad, then your outlook will change. <laughs> so, and more good things come to you. I was talking with, um, with, you know, just the law of attraction and explaining that to someone that when we are constantly complaining, it isn't a coincidence that we notice more negative things and more negative things come. And when we just think of one positive, if we can talk about it, we can see more. And yeah. nobody wants to be around the people who are complaining and be around the net. Like we want to be around happy, uplifting things. Yeah. So you doing that makes you more pleasant to be around. You're doing more. You're yeah. constantly out and about now. Yeah. And it's funny as this, even today, like I was thinking like, cause I was sort of in a rough mood this morning. Cause I was like, I just, I sold my cameras to a friend of mine um, at a really good price thinking that I would use the money that um, I sold them to him for, to buy um, new equipment that would be comparable or a little bit better, a little bit, it cost me a little bit of money to upgrade. And I sold him these cameras and then I went to Apple today to buy new cameras. And I realized that I screwed up and I, and I would have to spend a significant amount more money than I had intended on it. But then I looked back and I was like, oh, I'm like, I fucked myself. I'm like, I'm so mad that I did this. Well, then I looked at my text message from my best friend that I sold the phones to. And he's like, you have changed my life. Like, these are so amazing. Like, I'm so happy with them. You're going to change the way that I film, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, you know what? Like, it cost me a little bit of extra money that I wasn't planning on spending. But like, he is set now. He is set. 
and like he's gonna be good for a while and like and he's happy and it it's not really any skin off my back like i got i got screwed out of one camera and like it's not the end of the world so um i'm just happy that he's happy you know like i'm like you know, there's like silver lining here like alex is happy and i'm getting new phones not as many as i wanted but like it's still fine and everything's fine everything's fine so like <laughs> this is fine <laughs> so so this is my this is my have you ever seen this before the dumpster fire dog you're so easily the, this part of you has not changed why <laughs> easily amused toy like, you this probably my, have comics somewhere this is my dumpster fire dog so he's sitting there with a cup of coffee and a dumpster fire saying this is fine <laughs> so like this is fine so he, he keeps keeps me grounded and so if people want to connect with you, anybody struggling, um, looking for meetings, anything, how do they connect with you and would, learn more? I would say the on Facebook is probably for, for the people that are going to listen to this podcast, I would say Facebook is probably the safest way to reach me. So it's just Ryan James on Facebook. And I've made, I'll make the posts that I made. They, they can search for you and they'll find me because I'm going to make the posts that I made about this show public. So they'll be able to find me easier. If they search for you, then they should be able to see my, my stuff too. Um, and then also like um, if you are, disclaimer, it's adult content, it's extreme, blah, 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 at HungerFF on Twitter, official HungerFF on Instagram. But it's... Uh, it's Ryan James is the most, if you're going to talk about this type of stuff, then definitely um, my, uh, my Facebook is probably the safest place to go. <laughs> Ryan is one of the speakers in December. He'll be here in Colorado for healing together through the holidays. We'll go much more into loss and grief. Thank you so much. Really not everyone goes into their story. So real and raw. I love that you have, become so open and that you have nothing to hide before we started i said is anything off limits and you said i don't live my life with limits or something like that yeah. just so me um yeah. but you've done it you've done all the work any last thoughts any anything for everyone listening um just do you be you give zero fucks about what people say and i just want to say thank you for letting me be part of your show and i'm just like so happy and like I think you're amazing. I think I've always thought you're amazing. And so like, I owe a lot of like the, I don't want to, I mean, like I, I owe a lot to you that like you've set me, you set me up when I was a kid to like, really like learn to love myself. Like there was a way there's something I didn't love myself when I was younger. And so I do now. And so like, you know, and it's, I think a lot of it had to do with the therapy that I got when I was a teenager. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, this was amazing. I'm so happy to be part of this. And I'm so excited. Love to you. Everyone listening, connect with Ryan at Ryan James or Hunger FF if you want to know that side of him. He's <laughs> you don't. I knew him before he drove, so we can't go there. <laughs> <laughs> Until next thank time, thank you so much. Always be ruthless. Bye. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening today. Your support means everything to me, truly. If this podcast resonates with you, please do me a favor and join in the Ruthless Movement by making some noise and doing one of these four things. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Tell a friend so we can break stigmas even faster. Leave a review so people can see what you think of the show. And last, if you want to learn more about me and be a part of the Grief Hub community, please head on over to the Facebook group. We'd love to have you. 
Thanks again for spending your time with us and see you next week.